politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our liberties to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for a brand new week of terrific broadcast, Monday, July 12th. And folks, we have a whiff of revolution in the air, the yearning of freedom, except it's not really here. It's 90 miles south of the Florida coast in Cuba. A lot of people are talking about that today. A lot of Republicans feel it's safe to fight for freedom in other countries, but all the while miss it here. It's kind of weird. Um, don't get me wrong. I think it is very exciting. Uh, this is not the Middle East. This is 90 miles away from us. Cuba has been a huge nemesis, has caused a lot of destabilization here, immigration problems. I'd like nothing more than to have a revolution in Cuba. It'd be awesome. Um, but in general, as I've been saying, as someone who has covered foreign policy tremendously in national security, I have a hard time getting jazzed up about the prospects of freedom and the geopolitical events occurring elsewhere around the globe when we don't have freedom in our own country. And as I noted on Friday, when you have all 50 states, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, where you cannot take a kid to a pediatrician without having that two, three, four-year-old's breathing orifices covered, you don't have freedom. I don't want to hear about this red state business. They got rid of their first iteration of tyranny temporarily a little quicker than the other states saying we don't no longer need it. But the vaccine fascism and what has been rooted in the fake private sector is still there in most places, most red states, most areas of them, the medical, the other stuff, and folks, we are this close to it coming back. Right after I got off there on Friday, CDC came out with their insane mandate that school kids next year need to be masked if they don't uh, get the jab. And almost every red state has seemed to go along with CDC. That needs to change. And the question we're going to deal with today as we explore the news and the data of COVID fascism and go on to, again, crime, because crime and COVID fascism are really the two issues, safety and liberty. But the question is, where are the Republicans in a counter-narrative, producing, providing a counter-narrative to the COVID fascism on how we should be treating this? Because the truth is, as this goes on, as I noted, it's going to continue, especially if it becomes endemic because the truth be told, it could very well be that the Delta and, and Epsilon and whatever else is escaping the vaccines. But that's not our problem. They're the ones who stake this all out in vaccines. But that means what it does mean is that it is less virulent. So why don't we just protect the people who need to be protected, focus on prophylaxis, make available treatments and leave everyone alone. Yet I'm not hearing that narrative. I'm not hearing uh, state legislative hearings anywhere. Special sessions being called to stop this. 
So we're going to explore that in more today. As always, when you are pretty ticked off and you need to chill out at the end of the day, believe it or not, a very healthy way of doing that is drinking wine, just one cup. Don't get drunk. Um, if you like to drink wine once in a while, I got the best wine for you. Down in Argentina, they make this really dark red, red, red wine from Malbec grapes grown at 9,000 feet. They are lab-tested and found to contain up to 10 times the levels of longevity. Um, they have this nutrient called resveratrol. It's powerful stuff. It pops up again and again in studies about longevity, heart health, and brain health. They also have 90% less sugar, fewer chemical chemicals, fewer additives, great in barbecue steaks with notes of blackberry, leather, cherry, and smoke. So folks, believe it or not, there is a website, conservativewine.com. They're giving you 50% off your best Malbecs plus 50% off shipping. People might not know what it means to be a conservative anymore, but I could tell you conservative wine certainly is a standout at conservativewine.com. And that's really the thing. We live in a time, you know, they had this CPAC over the weekend. Now, I, I, I never knew that they now have two CPACs, one in uh, Dallas now. What, what is that, the second one of the year, or is that in lieu of the first one? I thought they had another one, uh, or, or maybe that's the Western CPAC. I, I get confused. And again, it's all this rah-rah, and the only difference between now and the past is that it seems like these speakers and these conservative figures, Republican figures, they've gotten a little bit more feisty in their rhetoric than they used to be. But fundamentally, they're not harnessing that rhetoric to lead it to anywhere. The big question everyone needs to be asking now, Democrats are clearly on the ropes. Now, putting voter fraud aside, because you know they could win any election... They're going to get crushed in the midterms. And I, I, I've i been warning that for years. I said, we're going to repeat 2010 all over again. And then what? What are you going to do with it? No one ever answers that question except for yours truly. What are you going to do with it? Oh, everyone's into the, the, the straw poll. Who's going to be president? Of course, Trump got 70% of the straw poll vote. Vote because again, we're all in whatever the shiniest object of the time is, and it's still Trump. Not a matter of what are you gonna do with it? You already had a chance. What did you do with it? Christy Nome seemed to be taking some gratuitous digs at Ron DeSantis, saying, I never did anything, and accused him of doing some sort of shutdown. Um, which just, I mean, look. I think she handled the issue very well. Obviously, the tranny issue, she didn't. But let's not forget that Florida is the third largest state in the country on the East Coast, whereas South Dakota, the virus really didn't come there until much, much later. So she already had established that precedent by then. Had it come like it did in Florida at the time, and she'd be a more high-profile state that everyone was visiting, you know... I don't know if she, you could say she would have done less than him, but, you know, you can't prove a negative. But anyway, that's with that. But I'm just saying, it's like I'm watching CPAC. I mean, I didn't really watch it, but I'm seeing some of the statements. I'm watching some of these political ads. People are now running for office, mainly Senate, not governor, which they should. They're focusing more, again, on the federal stuff. And it's all a matter of, 
I'm a Christian, I'm pro-life, um, uh, stop socialism, uh, I'm pro-police. And, and again, this is all, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that. But it's the same vacuous rhetoric, just a little bit more emphatic than maybe 10 years ago Republicans running, 15, 20 years ago. But they don't really inspire confidence that they're going to change directions, that they get. It's like everyone's talking about censorship. It's certainly a big problem. It's a huge problem. But to what end? (laughs) Meaning the idea is that you should be putting stuff out on the web like, we basically need red states to be autonomous. And here's what we're going to do with all of our power. And then they censor it. And, oh, censorship is a problem. But if it's just WWE to an end to itself, you're clanking a bunch of chairs and they're censoring the clanking, it's just noise. This is the problem. We've had such low expectations out of Republicans for so many years. I myself used to clap for Republican speeches and, like, you could barely glean anything different from what the Democrats are saying. Well, he means this, he means that. If you don't come out and say it, you don't mean it. If you have candidates not even mentioning COVID fascism and how it's all wrong and how every level of what we're doing on quarantine and test and trace and and masking at every level and va- and, and the experimental jabs need to be audited and changed and prohibited at every level at state and county governments in the governments we control that we should be using all of the COVID money that we got for treating prophylaxis and repurposed drugs. And by the way, Biden says use it to fight crime. He means gun control, but I'm all for that. Use it to lock up the criminals. Expand the court system to expedite these trials. More manpower. But importantly, not just funding the police, but to lock up the criminals. Take your punchlines, take your talking points, and put a punchline. Therefore, what? What is your action item? And I'm just not seeing from Republicans to this day a counter-narrative, much less a counter-agenda on COVID fascism. And when it boils down to it, when it boils down to it, it all comes to one thing, what we're seeing from the virus. It's endemic. It's going to percolate until most people get it. In a lot of parts of the world, most people already did get it. In most of the country, most people did get it. But there are pockets that it's still going to have to fill in. Nothing we've done stops it. The very people saying, oh my gosh, Delta, 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 therefore get vaccinated, are also saying, oh my gosh, the vaccine's escaping, Delta's escaping the vaccine. So then... It all points to the same thing. All you can do is encourage people to be healthy, get their vitamin levels up and tested and and bulked up, have ready-made protocols for prophylactic and early treatment, and that is it. And I'm not hearing that narrative from almost any Republican. And again, we're going to continue having, we have some doctors lined up, want to have on the show to talk about treatments and more of the problems with the vaccines. But almost every Republican is promoting it. You know, like I, I, I've i seen there's there's this 
you know, some of the people in the MAGA crowd, and I haven't vetted them yet, and I'm going to need help from you guys to let, you know, let me know who you think are good candidates. We're going to start getting into that. There's a guy running for Senate against Mark Kelly in Arizona. It's a Democrat. There's a guy running in Arkansas. I guess he is challenging Bozeman in a primary, this former NFL football player. And we'll see what happens, but what about governor? That's where the power is. That's where the difference is going to be made. And every Republican is forcing the jab down our throats as there's more problems. So we're going to go through some of the news today, and you're going to see the narrative that Republicans are lacking. We need to self-separate. Not just indulge their talking points and have a talking point. And again, the talking points in general are okay. Except for like the Bruce Jenner ones. He's being promoted on Newsmax and Fox and everywhere. Oh, this is lovely. Yeah, yeah. Cross-dressing conservatives. He has some sort of statement out that he was talking about how he, um, I don't know, he got into his daughter's clothing would like take his daughter's clothing, is very proud of it. I mean, this is what Republicans are promoting? It's just bizarre. I don't get it. I never will. But as we self-separate, we also have to do that in the economy, which is why I need you guys to support our longtime partner, Patriot Mobile. Obviously, these major corporations that control information flow they're all the same. Comcast, Xfinity, and you know Verizon, AT&T. They are going to censor you. Do you know that many of these same wireless companies support left-wing causes, causes that threaten our freedom, our beliefs? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless company. They actually donate part of their uh, revenue to conservative organizations. Right now, they have two great offers to choose from. So now is a real good time to sign up. Either you get 50% off your first two months or $100 off any new phone. Both come with Premier Activation. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR, as in conservative review. Um, they really do have the broadest nationwide network. They use the same towers that the major providers use. So this is one of those rare things where you could actually break through the monopoly um, and not have to service one or the other uh, that's destroying this country, go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call their top-rated U.S.-based team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans, veterans and first responders save even more. Folks, tr- go to the mobile service company that I trust, patriotmobile.com slash CR or 972-PATRIOT. So, folks, I just want to start out with before – going over some of the latest COVID news. You know, I was uh, going through um, Jeremiah over over the weekend, and I was just struck by how the words, I'm always called the prophet of woe and lamentation, so I may, may as well live up to that standard. But basically, if you, if you look at chapter 2, it totally speaks to where we are today. Totally speaks to where we are as a people. And, you know, God is just speaking to us every day, telling us that what we're doing is not working. 
Okay, we need to break out of it. So says the Lord, what wrong did your forefathers find in me that they distanced themselves from me, that they went after futility and themselves became futile? And they didn't say, where's the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the desert, the land of plains and pits, the land of waste and darkness, the land where no man has passed? The priest did not say, where is the Lord? Those who hold on to my word did not know me. The rulers rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied to Baal and followed what does not avail. Therefore, I will still contend with you, says the Lord, and with your children's children will I contend and quarrel. God is taking us to court, so to speak. We've doubled down on things that don't work. We continue to idolize people and things. We do what the left does. Let's face it. We live the same lifestyle the left does. We've been bought into their stuff. I'm speaking to myself too. I'm not, you know, the reproachment is, is for all of us. We could all do better. We could all raise our kids stronger. Too many of us Choose not to get married, not to have kids. We talk conservative, but we don't live a conservative lifestyle. We tolerate and even indulge what the left does. And that's the thing. I, I said this yesterday, and I know it's going to sound insulting to some people, but you know, a lot of people are championing this Washington Post article about this survey that so many more Republicans have Democrat friends than are willing to associate with Democrats and vice versa. And I was saying, look, in the era we now live in, is that a good thing? Isn't it just indicative of the fact that the other side believes in their views and are willing to fight for it much more than we are for our supposed views? And that's why we get taken in by these vacuous talking points of these Republican candidates that don't focus on the actual policy outcomes. It drives me nuts. It's like I could could feel, again... Chapter 2, verse 26 in Jeremiah is the shame of a thief when he's found found out. So have the house of Israel been ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets. They say to wood, you are my father. To a stone, you bore us. For they turn to me their nape and not their face. And at the time of their misfortune, they say, arise and save us. Now, where are your gods that you have made for yourself? Let them Get up if they will save you at the time of your misfortune. For as many as your cities were your gods, O Judea. Why should you strife with me? All of you have rebelled against me. So to me, I think what this is telling us is that we need to self-separate from this terrible culture. We need to preach to the choir more. We need to strengthen our own beliefs. Again, this is how you have counties and states that are three to one Republican. And you have the most horrible jailbreak and COVID fascism that that even Democrats couldn't have imagined before a few years ago. We allow that over window, Overton window to shift. It's our fault. 
if you have a Republican running for office. Now, I understand it's hard in a matter of a period of a few weeks and a few months. You're not going to tackle everyone's issue, 30, 40 different policy issues. But if you're not talking about COVID fascism, and again, not in just like a cheap talking point way, to find a couple of the most extreme things that Fauci and the Democrats are pushing and kind of like scoff at it. At it. But no, to provide a completely different counter-narrative, if you're not doing that by now, you are worthless. You are worthless. And that's why all these Republicans, like a fly on you-know-what, solidarity, solidarity with the Cubans. And again, in this case, I actually think there's, there's merit to that, unlike some others where it's just stupid. Solidarity with a bunch of, you know, the one side of an, of an Islamic civil war. But nonetheless, why is it that they're always so jazzed up about fighting for other countries' causes, but not our own? We're holding by that. We need that fight. CDC has this guidance to mask all children. We need a war on that. And tethering it to the experimental jabs, folks. You might have seen late Friday, the VIRS data came out. The number of deaths jumped. 2,083, over 2,000 deaths in one week. Now, again, it's not necessarily rendered that week or occurred that week. It's reporting. It's reporting over time, so it could have been a backlog. But still, the fact that it jumped from 7,000 to 9,000, it's over 9,000 deaths now. Do you know that... 40% of all reported adverse events in VIRS, it's been around like since 1990, 40% are just from the last few months from from the COVID experimental jazz. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And there's been about a thousand post-vaccination miscarriages. And again, that's going to be, these are ones where the physicians were confident that under threat of jail time, they were willing to sign an affidavit saying they felt that the miscarriage was caused by the jab. That's very hard to prove, you know, much more so than like the myocarditis. I'm sure there's a lot more of those cases, more than 3,000 heart attacks, 7,500 disabilities, close to 20,000 severe allergic reactions, close to 1,000 cases of heart muscle inflammation, just in people younger than 25. This is this is crazy. This is absolutely nuts. How are we allowing this for even one day? And folks, there's an unbelievable study out. I don't know where it is published. But if you want to look it up, it's a Bolivian, there's Bolivian researchers from Bolivia. Life and death during the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, an analysis of the differences between countries and changes in the quantity and quality of life. The, The uniqueness about this study is that they took 124 countries and they looked at excess death outcomes, COVID deaths, And they quantified quantity of life lost from COVID and quality of life years lost. And what they did is they changes in quality of life 
were proxied by the average change in daily mobility compared to pre-COVID baselines. We find a significant negative correlation between the two, meaning that the countries with the biggest reductions in mobility are also the countries with the biggest losses of life years. So it wasn't like a trade-off for the most part. All you have countries, they, they really staved off COVID at a terrible cost, you know, lockdowns and everything. No. Because remember, this is in Bolivia and Peru and all those Latin American countries. They had the worst lockdowns. So the worst quality of life losses and real life losses and also death from COVID, it did absolutely nothing. We calculate that about 48 million life years were lost during the first year of the pandemic. Now that sounds a lot, 48 million life years, but that's out of 124 countries. That corresponds with a 0.018% of all expected life years. Okay? So now it doesn't sound that much. For comparison, at least double the amount of life years are lost every year due to children dying of diarrhea. That that is not a joke. About 28 million life years are created every day from babies being born. Okay? So the first year of the pandemic set us back less than two days in terms of qu- of quantity of life. That's what they want to say. If you take globally, it set us back two days in terms of quantity of life. Because again, obviously, most of the deaths are people towards the end of their life. And what the virus just bizarrely seems to work out is that You know, when we say life expectancy, depending on where you are, it's 78, 80, 81, whatever it is, your demographic and and your country, that seems to be roughly the COVID death age on average. But, you you know, you do have people that die of COVID in their 60s, some even, you know, it could be even into their 50s. But there's people that die every year also in that age bracket. And it kind kind of worked out. It's not that there is an excess death. There certainly is. Especially the more the younger ones certainly could have been saved had we focused a fraction of the tyranny and money into treatments. But the point is, at a global scale, the point that they're trying to make is they're even they're not even talking about how this stuff doesn't work. Of course, at the end they have to say, "Oh, let's wear masks because masks don't cost us anything." That's their thing. In order to get anything published, you always always have to say that garbage. They're assuming a trade-off that this stuff works, although they kind of say there's no correlation with it too. Masks, at least they say, work, which of course they don't. And their point is you have to look at a cost-benefit analysis, and like if you look in holistically, and this point we've said from day one, they're right, we never do this in life with anything else, where we destroy everyone's life to try to save a certain amount of quantity of life that on net, you're actually coming out behind. But that's assuming it's even a net. Actually, it's an absolute loss because this stuff saved not a single life on the COVID side. 
They come back and say the setbacks in terms of quality of life are several orders of magnitude larger. Some countries have suffered suffered close to a 50% reduction in mobility sustained over 12 months with devastating effects. Many aspects of quality of life. We estimate that 1.2 billion quality life years were lost due to mobility reductions. Which is 25 times as many as life years lost due to COVID-19 related deaths during the first year of the pandemic. And again, with when it, whatever number they're using to count COVID deaths, I'm sure is inflated by at least 25%. But they're saying it's by 25 times greater, 1.2 billion quality life years lost. And that's something a lot of us have not thought about. People living like vegetables, missing all their grandkids and everything. Picture if we had some sort of a treatment, just indulge me here, hypothetical, that would basically make seniors vegetables but add a few years of life to their life while making them and everyone else, just again, it's an impossibility, but indulge me here, younger people, everyone, a vegetable too. Would you ever do that? No, and that's assuming it would extend their life. We still wouldn't do it. Yet here... There's no correlation. There's no correlation. A very interesting thing. At the end, page 30, I'm just going to read here. Putting COVID-19 into perspective. As shown in the previous section, just 30 countries accounted for about 87% of all life years lost due to COVID-19. Okay? 30 countries accounted for 87% of all deaths. Now, keep in mind that that's not their main point. They're actually trying to show how, that even then, even then none of those countries lost more than 0.2% of their remaining life years. Again, because they're mainly the oldest people who died from it. So that in itself is an interesting perspective. I would just say, I just want to freeze frame to point to a different issue when we discuss the Delta and the variants and the, you know, coming back and spreading. And remember, as as prominent as it's been, and it's been pretty global, 30 countries shouldered 87% of the life years lost. So what that tells you is there's a lot, a lot of other countries that have a lot, a lot more room to grow and it's still going to be spreading there. And the vaccination rate is not going to matter. The only thing that matters is herd immunity naturally. And in any significant, meaningful way, they themselves are now poo-pooing their own vaccine even as they demand you get it with the Delta. And the key is shielding the most vulnerable and making sure everyone else gets it not necessarily force them to get the virus, but, you know, making sure that um, they are headed into the virus with the strongest long-term and mid-term health status. Natural supplementations are, are up if you, they need to be supplemented. Vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc. And treatment, treatment, treatment. Early, prophylactic Think about what we've done. I've always wondered as a kid, I always thought like, you know, I I would see so many people die of cancer relapse. 
Often nowadays, people you know defeat most cancers the first round. The problem is when it comes back. I was always thinking, well, I don't know, like, why don't we have some sort of technology where they're like always preemptively hooked up to um, scans that could you know catch this stuff at the at the first sign of trouble. The obvious answer is it's just you know like anything else is a cost benefit analysis. We're just not going to do that. The quality of the life of doing that, the money is spent. Yet when it came to COVID, we threw that out where we preemptively treated everyone as the most vulnerable, even though there's literally like a a, a 10,000-fold gradient between a 10-year-old and a 90-year-old in terms of their risk from COVID. We treated everyone like that. We we we, we The cost, the trillions of dollars is spent, the, the 1.2 billion years of life, quality years of life lost according to this study. So after all that draconian nature, wouldn't you just simply, especially vulnerable people, just say, hey, it, in, until this stops percolating in your area, take prophylaxis of, of these um, this regimen. Very safe stuff. <laughs> That's a lot more um, proven and safer than saying preemptively lock yourself up for two years and die of dementia. But anyway, let me continue. They say again, even though 30 countries shouldered 87% of the life years loss of COVID, it's still only 0.2% of the remaining life years. This means that the vast majority of countries have seen a limited loss of life so far. The global loss of life years during this first year of the pandemic amounted to approximately 48 million life years, which is a relatively small number. Um... Again, every year, twice as much is lost due to child children dying of diarrhea. Although typically not in the same countries as the people dying of COVID. And that is true. The COVID was mainly in some of the Western countries. It's mainly the African countries that have the diarrhea deaths. Um, during the first year of the pandemic, COVID-19-related excess deaths accounted for 3 to 4% of all lost life years. Another way of putting COVID-19 deaths into perspective is to compare the 48 million life years lost to COVID-19 to the number of life years added simply through babies being born. During 2020, about 140 million children were born across the world with an average life expectancy of about 72.6 years, and obviously a lot more in many of the countries hit by COVID, meaning that about 10 billion life years were added to the global stock. Thus, for every life lost to COVID-19, we gained about 208 life years from babies being born. And again, this sounds very cold when you don't look at an individual. You look at a globe. But the point, the point that they're saying is we do this with everything in life. We do this with everything. And they note even the countries that have managed the pandemic relatively well with few deaths and minimal lockdowns are suffering the economic consequences of the pandemic. And, you know, because it's it's all globally connected. Our main conclusion is that there is no trade-off between life and death, economy and health, or livelihoods and lives, because the countries that did worst in one dimension also did worst in the other. It wasn't a trade-off. Peru was the hardest-hit country in the world during the first year with 4,442 excess deaths per million by March 11th, 
while also suffering an average reduction in daily mobility of 47% the whole year, which is the second highest in the world. In total, Peru lost 196 quality days of life per person during the first year of the pandemic, 170 due to mobility restrictions, 26 due to COVID. At the other end of the spectrum, we find Denmark, Norway, Finland, I said this all the time, South Korea and Mongolia, with no significant excess deaths, nor mobility reductions during the first year of the pandemic. Even Sweden, which avoided lockdowns altogether, did not implement any serious system of testing and contact tracing, did not even recommend mask wearing in public, has done quite well in the cross-country comparison. In other words, it did nothing. You were destined to get what you were going to get. You were destined... Most countries that had the worst stuff, lockdowns also had terrible, you know, COVID deaths relatively. Then you had Sweden, which is the opposite. And then even the other Scandinavian countries, which did a little bit more than Sweden, but not that much more. There was no mask wearing in Norway. They got, they got lucky. Then you do have some countries that did well with COVID, like New Zealand and Australia and some of these Far Eastern countries. But they crushed themselves with the lockdowns. And you can't tell me that it, the lockdowns saved them because other places did what they did. Peru did what they did, and it didn't help. And also, people are forgetting that the ball game ain't over. They're always going to be vulnerable. Here's the deal. The one thing I agree with the panic porn people about when they say this is a novel virus, they are right in one respect, but what they're doing is the exact opposite of what you should do. What they're right about is that, you know, everything else, you kind of get built up immunity when you're a kid, so you have a certain partial immunity by the time you're an adult. Whereas with COVID, it's hitting everyone brand new. Okay? And that's why it is definitely for, especially for elderly people, there is a potential for it to be a lot worse than other things, and we're certainly seeing that. Now, obviously, the answer is to treat it with known treatments and even prophylactically. But the thing with children is they're so stupid because you should actually want children to get this. That's the whole point. They're all adults. This is a novel virus. That's the whole thing. We, 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 our bodies can't deal with this. But we're seeing that children can. So let them develop it. Don't make it that if you're in New Zealand and Australia, 10 years from now, you'll have kids that are adults and it will hit them as an adult rather than, than as a kid. It makes no sense. It makes zero sense to vaccinate them. So, again, they note that there's 1.2 billion quality life years lost as compared to 48 million life years, a factor of 25. And what they suggest is that, like anything else, at this point, with about half a million new COVID cases being officially recorded every day, many millions of undetected cases, we have to switch to a new strategy of total harm reduction. We have to acknowledge that we failed to contain and suppress 
SARS-CoV-2 that should have been acknowledged 15 months ago, and trying to do so at this point will cause more harm than the virus itself. Total harm reduction requires a holistic, global approach to dealing with the pandemic. As all our decisions have far-reaching effects on every aspect of life across the world. And they note how epidemiologists aren't the only people that should be involved. Public health experts are much better positioned as they are trained to take into account multiple dimensions of a health crisis, psychological effects, long-term developmental impacts on children, effective methods of communication, community engagement, obviously the economic stuff. And their recommendations are first to immediately work to optimize the immune system of every single person so that they can fight the virus effectively to avoid hospitalization. They say everyone should bulk up on vitamins A, C, D, E, B2, B6, B12, folic acid, <coughs> iron, <coughs> selenium, zinc. <coughs> um, and, you know, in the, in, in the midterm and long term, have healthy diets, active lifestyles. And that's what you're seeing in Japan. Japan is getting it now, but it's a case-demic, really. Not a lot of deaths. I mean, this, this, is, this is a no-brainer. That's the thing. This is a lot more nuanced than a bumper sticker of, oh, COVID is a hoax. No one's saying that. Just the opposite. We felt from day one it was manufactured synthetically, which is why it's so durable. But on the other hand, as it becomes endemic and more transmissible and less deadly, so here's the joke. You know, the the Miami um, Dade chief bay officer tested positive for COVID after being vaccinated. You're seeing this all over. Oh, Israel is a study. A bunch of people that had the vaccine are getting the, getting the virus. And they're saying it's the Delta, but it's, it's, it's stupid. It will be Epsilon. It will be the, the, the L1 they have and all the other ones. Because the immunity was very negligible and tenuous to begin with from the vaccine, putting aside the side effects. And we always knew if you vaccinate people during a time of an epidemic, which we've never done before, not this in this way, you'll actually, it will be self-selecting. But the good news is it will be less virulent. And at some point you have to ask yourself, are we doing this for, for RSV, these constant case counts, case counts, rather than just focusing on treating the problematic cases? Right now, RSV, parainfluenza, rhinovirus, um, and even um, adenovirus and OC43, which is one of the coronavirus colds, are all more prevalent in America than SARS-CoV-2. Are we counting the hospitalizations from these other things? I mean, in New Zealand, they are counting RSV, but if you counted it the same way, you could do... <laughs> See, this is what the left does with everything in life, whether it's environmental, whether it's health, it is, uh, this construction material could lo- no longer be used because it causes it. They'll take something that has a kernel of truth to it and they'll indulge it to the gates of hell without a holistic view of it. 
In this case, it's worse because even what they're doing is, is counterproductive. Nothing they're doing works in any way, even in a net, much less a gross. But that's what it's going to be. Notice the one thing that we're finding with all the panic porn. Oh, the vaccines don't work, so therefore get vaccinated. Even if you already had the virus. Mind you, the one thing they cannot find is a chink in the armor of prior infection conveyed immunity. Scotland is the biggest hit place in the UK because they had the least until now. They had the least built-up immunity. Someone emailed uh, Alex Berenson. and he put this out on Twitter. There's been 13 deaths of fully vaccinated individuals from June 24th to July 1st in Scotland. There were 22 deaths reported within a 28-day period. So 59% of deaths were fully vaccinated in that short period. Now, again, obviously, there is a little bit of a bias towards the type of people who will get it, break through the vaccine, and especially wind up dying from it, will be the people that are immunocompromised. But the point is, that's what the vaccine... (laughs) If you can't protect those people, that was the whole enchilada. We don't need it for the, you know, 35-year-old healthy guy. We need it for the person in the 70s, 80s that has heart disease and diabetes. That's what we needed the vaccine for. So this whole thing's a lie. Meanwhile, while we're doing that to seniors, and God knows how many have done it, imagine if you're in a senior care facility. There's no way they're recording those deaths on VIRS. Oh, they died naturally. They're dying anyway. Not going to record the vaccine deaths. Dr. Paul L. Alexander, this is um, trial site news. Early treatment in nursing homes reduced the death rate by over 60%. Here's a study out. Very important information. It's on trial site news. Check it out. To this day, are any of the senior care facilities in America focusing on what are their vitamin A, B, C, D, level, zinc. What are their levels? How could we bulk them up? How could we have a regimen to get their, um, you know, get get, get absorption? Because, you know, that's a whole strategy with a lot of these people. That's you know, even if you just take it, it won't be enough. It has to get absorbed into the cells, and there's different ways of doing that. That's what we need doctors for. That's what we need a medical profession for. That's what you need public health for, to help. That's what works. And it doesn't cost much to do that. Isolating them for years on end in solitary confinement is a 100% fatality rate. That will 100% destroy the remaining months they have left and will accelerate their actual death. So it's not just young people, the cost-benefit analysis of panic porn and the vaccine, but even for older people. Remember, there's been numerous studies, the Norway study, that you have it at the other end of the spectrum, too. The people that are very sick and vulnerable are vulnerable to die from the vaccine as well. Perhaps maybe this is the most reasonable to use for someone like, you know, one of these, especially males. Males are much more 
susceptible to having issues from COVID more like middle age than female, the men like 55 to 65, 55 to 70 range that have certain underlying conditions that seem to make them vulnerable to the virus, but, you know, they don't seem to be on their deathbed. They're just, you know, they're kind of living normally. Those type of people perhaps would be where you would focus a vaccination campaign. But again, you know, I'm all for that, but you got to have a safe vaccine and we have to know the extent that it causes side effects. Like, for example, perhaps we should wait for the Novavax. A lot of the doctors that are that think this thing is poison are very bullish on Novavax. I personally don't know enough, but a lot of the people I trust seem to say there's a lot of promise for that. So maybe you 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 wait for that. Till then, focus on prophylaxis. That is the narrative. The last 45 minutes that I gave over to you that we should have, but name how many Republicans you know are providing such a counter-narrative. I, for one, certainly don't see that. I don't see it at all. And therein lies the problem. Now, just to end off on one good piece of news here, what needs to be done in the red states, there is good news out of South Carolina. College of Charleston amends COVID-19 vaccination policies after concerns raised by South Carolina Attorney General. So I give him credit. So this was a college that was going to mandate vaccines. And again, this is happening all over red states. And um, the attorney general went ahead and wrote a very sharply worded letter announcing they're going to enforce the law against them. Like, oh, we don't have vaccine mandates. We don't have mass mandates. But But then they all do it and they get away with it. No, you need to root it out as much as they're mandating it in the blue areas. It should be criminalized and rooted out in the red areas. Equal and opposing force. So this was Attorney General Alan Wilson. And um, as you know, the General Assembly has prohibited any state institution from requiring COVID-19 vaccination, which means that students are left to exercise their independent judgment and discretion. Um, I strongly urge the college to review and revise its proposed um, COVID-19 policy to ensure that it complies with state law. The college should clarify that while it may encourage vaccines, they they will not be reprimanded. Again, I'd like to take this a step further and say, wait a minute. We are declaring complete independence from CDC and FDA. That's what we need to start seeing in these red states. How much evidence of voodoo experimentation that violates, as I noted in my column this morning, the Nuremberg Code. How much more do you need to see for red states to say, look, our health departments, rather than being conduits for HHS, we're going to use them as a bulwark against them. We're going to downright ban any marketing of the vaccine We're going to ban the forcing of vaccines anywhere in the so-called private sector, much less the public funding schools. They do that in so many other contexts with health and safety. Everything. I mean, like, imagine if they say, hey, everyone, everyone in a or every daycare center needs to have lead paint. 
Or, or conversely, let's say there is lead paint. Well, I mean, these state health agencies, they're inspecting for that all the time. So if you're forcibly administering a poison, you can't say, well, it's a private institution. Yeah, when you get rid of every department of health and housing and quality of whatever, environmental quality, whatever state agencies they have, then come back to me about private businesses being being able to do whatever they want on health and safety, much less when it's your own personal body. Give me a break. All these phony conservatives hide behind to talk, oh, Daniel, I don't like to regulate private enterprise. Yeah, but I never saw them that emphatic when they were shutting down private businesses for COVID. That's what needs to happen. If you are not hearing that narrative, then then don't vote for them. Vote them out. We have not won the battle yet. You know and I know that if you had a case incline in enough places, it's this is going to come right back in most places. Might be to varying degrees, might not be as much, but it will come back because they never got rid of it. It's there in many, you know, look, in my life, it doesn't impact me personally that much anymore, COVID. I could go most places. I don't have to wear a diaper, but certainly on the planes, it's certainly in any medical thing, which is a big deal for a lot of people that that need to use doctors. Kids even have to get it. The test, trace, contact tracing, still in a lot of these red states. And the vaccine fascism is everywhere. So folks, it's time to force these state legislatures to hold special sessions, to hold hearings and audit everything that their departments of health, education, other government agencies within the state are doing based on premises scientific premises of COVID, and anything that does not comport with reality, if they are following CDC, it needs to be banned. It is that simple. And folks, we are out of time today. Um, Didn't get to any of my crime stories, but as always, you know I got more to come. Contact me, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at armconservative. Leave us a five-star review if you can. Send the show to 50 of your friends, relatives, neighbors, and coworkers. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.